Please take your Bibles and open them up to Psalm 23. Passage is printed for you there in your bulletin. This is the Word of God. Yahweh is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your club and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and covenant love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. This is God's word. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God Our God shall endure forever and ever. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's a very familiar psalm. Most of you have known it all your life. I I learned it in the King James um, back when I was in the first grade. I never preached this psalm, but um, I'm sure I'm glad I'm preaching it because I needed to hear it. Uh, I need to hear this. Uh, It's it's truly um, a wonderful, wonderful psalm. it's like right up there, it's way past the Apostles' Creed, right? But the Apostles' Creed is that great creed of the, of the, um, of the Christian faith. But the Psalm 23 is just, wow, it's, it's right up there at the top in the Psalms. Uh, and in this Psalm, you have two characters described. They are companions. They, they live life together. They have fellowship with one another. Uh, and, um, you know, basically it's a story of companionship, and it's and it's really the story of every Christian, um, because every Christian has the same story. Your story is not about you; it's about Jesus. And the Bible is, is not about you; the Bible is about Jesus, and, and we all have that great commonality of, of the the centerpiece of all of our stories together is the Lord Himself. But this is uh, gives us an idea. Really, this is this is your life. This is my life, Psalm 23, because it is mainly about the one who is our life, um, Jesus Christ. So, what you know, what Grant said a while ago, it's so nice to say that creed because, again, we're, we're, we can see what's real, we can hear what is real, we can feel what is real. And when you read this psalm, you, this is really my life. This is a great picture of what is real and what is true and the truth that we go away from here every time we meet together is that Jesus is the Lord. He is the King of glory. He is the Good Shepherd. He is the Good Shepherd. And um, before we dive into the different situations of, of this story, the different chapters, it's important to meet the characters. All right? So let's you know, get, our, get our bearings right to do some housekeeping. Um, you have a sheep. Right, and you have his companion, the great shepherd, in this um, in this poem, in this in this psalm, and you you know it says right there, it's the psalm of David. Um, should have written that, read that, but he's the sheep, 
Um, and Yahweh is the shepherd. And those, so those are the two characters. And the reason I say Yahweh, the reason I printed Yahweh out in your bulletin is because it's not something where you're used to saying. It's like, oh, he's just going to get all preachery and all theological. Uh, yeah, he's been in seminary, knows a little bit of Hebrew, throws it around. But, well, whenever you see L-O-R-D in all caps, this is important. I mean, it's 6,000 times important. That's how important it is. So whenever that happens uh, in the Old Testament, and it happens 6,000 times in the English translation, L-O-R-D in all caps is the English translation for the proper name of God. That's his name. This is who he is. Yahweh. Right? Yahweh. And God introduced himself, and he used that name. You know, when you introduce yourself to someone, hello, I'm Rick Searle, good to meet you. I met this um, um, state patrol guy out there. I'm hoping that, you know, I write his name down so when I get pulled over, I can throw it out there, right? That's why I talk to all these policemen. It's, uh, uh, just kidding. But I, 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 it's, it's fun to do that. I get the same reaction. Well, they're like, what are you asking me this for? And then I tell them that I, I know policemen. It's like they immediately go, oh, okay. Yeah, they know, they know people in the APD. And so I said, you know, thank you for what you do. I know people tell you that all the time. But I want you to know, we pray for you. And we'll pray for you this morning. And he said, thank you. Thank you very much. He said, I hate to have to do this on Sunday. I hate to work on Sunday. So probably he should be in church. He, he's probably missing church today. But anyway, I introduced myself to him. Moses, um, Yahweh introduces himself to Moses in Exodus 3. And he says, I am Yahweh. And you know that Yahweh means I am. That's what it means. Names have meaning. It's, you know, Bible names are way more important than, than we, we think they are. But it means I am the beginningless God. I am eternally present. That's what it means. In other words, there's never been a moment, there's never been a nanosecond when God has not been around. God has always been alive. Who made God? Nobody made God. God has always been. Who named God? Nobody named God. This isn't something he just throws out to Moses in, in the Bible times. He's always been Yahweh. That's always been his name. Eternally. And the good news for God's people, for you and me as his sheep, is that God is eternally present with you. He's with you. Has he not said, I will never leave you or forsake you. I am with you. Do not be afraid. And so that's what God's name means. You've got to know who this person is that David is, a, who, who, his companion, who his greatest companion is, who this shepherd is. He is beginningless life. He's eternally present. And, and don't let this get by you, okay? Yahweh is also, it, it, this is the meaning of his name, but God's name is a personal name. A personal name. And by the way, what could be more fitting, what could be a more fitting name for God than the eternally present God I am Yahweh. You can't, that's, that's who he is. There's no better name for anyone. He's always been Yahweh. One God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God is the true God and, and he is called Yahweh. 
And again, don't miss this. It's important to know who the shepherd is. Um, but David isn't just using this name for to give you theological instruction. He uses the name to help you see three things about this dear shepherd that he knows. That is his shepherd. The first thing he wants you to, by using this name, he wants you to see and feel his intimacy with Yahweh. Yahweh is my shepherd. You know, Yahweh brought David into a covenant of grace with himself. What does that mean? We use that all the time, don't we? We got all we got some preachers here, extra preachers. We got three ordained PCA people in here. What does it mean? Can you tell me about the covenant? You know, I, I, I encourage you to to read Esther Meek uh, about helping you articulate what the covenant really is. What does it mean? It means that God has loved David for all eternity. He loves David. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. And he invited David into a relationship with himself. He's come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. There's an invitation. Jesus is always inviting us. Come, come, come back. Come to me. And God has made pledges and promises to David. Has he not? You know what he told David? You will have a son who will rule the universe forever. That's a pretty significant promise, isn't it? And pledge, I will always be with you. And God gave David his spirit to dwell in David. David was a sinner like you and me, but he was a man after God's own heart because God dwelt in his very being, in him. So that's what it means to be in covenant. God loves you, God invites you, God makes promises and pledges to you, and he indwells you. He's united you to himself. Wow. He's David's shepherd. And so that's the first reason uh, that David uses God's personal name. God is the God of the covenant who is in personal relationship with David. So David also uses God's personal name to tell it like it is. He says, the Lord, Yahweh, is my shepherd. But he also says it this way. Yahweh is my shepherd. In other words, the God of the universe. This is the one who is my God. Not the gods of the other cultures. Not the God of the nations. The true and living God is my shepherd. So it's a personal, emotional connection. All those promises and pledges. There's a third reason David uses uh, the word Yahweh, uh, this great eternal shepherd. The third reason is this. Because he is my shepherd, I shall not ever lack anything. Because he's the God of the universe, he owns everything. All is his. And he has given me everything. I lack nothing. Wow. I lack nothing. Ralph Davis says, this verse is shorthand uh, for um, Romans 8.32. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all 
things. All things. Yahweh is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I lack nothing. Wow, 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 wow. This psalm ought to remind you and me of Jesus Christ. Why? Because He is the good shepherd. We read about that in the, the call to worship. We prayed prayers of, of, about him being our shepherd and the, uh, you know, we, he, is, he has us in the palm of his hand nothing can snatch us he holds us fast and so forth um, you know, David's son God's son, Jesus Christ he is the one who is restoring and renewing the world and God gives us everything through him everything and we have the promises of eternal life and a new heaven and a new earth and so forth and Jesus is the one who said what did he say? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, those are the the last words that Jesus... Have, we have recorded of Jesus Christ in the book of Matthew. First words are important. What are his first words recorded in Mark and Matthew? The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent. Believe the gospel. Last words. The last words. Great commission. Right? Go. Well, what's the most important part about the great commission? It is, behold, I am with you. That's the last thing he says. Jesus has been given authority. We should make disciples. We should baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We should teach people the gospel to repent and believe in Christ. We should teach people to love God's law and to ask God to help you obey the law so you will know him better and have communion with him as your shepherd. But what we forget the most in that, that great commission is surely or lo, behold, all those translations, I am with you to the very end of the age. And that brings us back to Psalm 23 from Matthew 28. David says Yahweh is his shepherd. He means Jesus is also his shepherd. He is present with me, therefore I lack nothing. And that is the heart of the sermon. And the rest of this sermon is how the great shepherd is present with us throughout all the days of our life. As I told you earlier, about through all the real days of your life, how is Yahweh present with you? Four ways. But before we look at these four ways of God's presence, we're going to pray. And you're going to pray, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to start. So pray right now. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for all these promises that you've given us. And please give me grace to speak your word. And I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would strengthen and comfort and encourage your people through your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. That's just the first verse. It's going to take five hours to get through the rest of it. No, we're going to move fast. You don't ever make an introduction that long. Catherine's thinking, that was it. Go home now. We're going to be back tonight. I heard everything she thought. But you can't stop there. That sets the table. I mean, how great is your God, right? How great is your God? Look at verse 2 and 3. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd, I shall not lack anything. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He restores my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Here's a question for you. Ask this. If you want to find out what people love and what they know about, what they're good at, ask them, who's the best teacher you've ever had? Who's the best coach you've ever had? Now that you're, you know, when you get to be my age, it's who's the best doctor you got, right? Right? Don't share that information with me. You know, these verses, uh, this this, uh, verses 2 and 3, they describe somebody who has skills, somebody who has expertise, somebody who has a high aptitude, a a great leader. Uh, These verses describe somebody who knows exactly what they are doing. And great leaders, um, Jesus is the greatest leader, the greatest shepherd ever. Uh, And they know what they're doing. Uh, They can lead you through crisis, but great leaders can also lead you through the mundane. That's maybe harder than leading through a crisis, actually, if you think about it. Uh, You know, I hope you don't have big drama at work tomorrow. If you're retired, you won't. I know that. All right. But some of you will have some drama at work. I hope you don't have big drama in your close relationships. But some of you are experiencing that right now. But here's what David is saying in these verses. Most of our lives... It's just about moving through the day. You ever thought about that? Just moving the trash can, right? Putting the dishes in the dishwasher, you know, cleaning up the back porch, feeding the dog, whatever. It's just that mundane stuff, get up, go to work, and so forth. Um, just the boring parts of life, right? Uh, but, you know, the boring, mundane over and over, it wears you out, doesn't it? Same stuff, same, st- you got to go through the same routine with that patient that you go see or whoever you're working on. You know, same old stuff, you're working on that guy's mouth. All teeth look alike, right? Kind of, more than, more than, some more than others. But it's like, I got more teeth. What'd you do today? I just looked in people's mouths all day. It's just like, and that wears you out. It just, it's tiring, right? Um, and, and by the way, I don't know of anybody here in the mundane who's not worn out and overextended. You know anybody that's not overextended? Even retired people. <laughs> all of you guys, uh, we're all just overextended. And the good news is that Jesus sustains you and me in the mundane, boring, everyday life. He restores your soul. He gives you encouragement and strength to go on. If you'll just stop and say, Lord... I need to take a breath here. Would you help me out here? Would you give me strength? Would you help me? Got to do this again. Would you just help me? Help me load the dishwasher one more time. Right? Whatever I'm doing, that's so mundane. Uh, and so, and you know, Psalm 68 sums this up perfectly. It says, "Praise be to the Lord." Are you listening? Who daily bears our burdens? God it really is in. The mundane burdens that we bear every day. And so David is saying, uh, the first place that you should sense and notice the presence of Christ is in everyday life. He's saying you can trust God with the everyday affairs of your life. He is with you in the small things. Praise Him. Thank Him. He is competent. He is the excellent shepherd of your life. He knows what He's doing. There's nobody like Him. 
he will he will help you and I, I'm not going to go on forever I'm in the pres, uh, present tense yeah but real anxious about getting all my stuff ready to go to Africa I'm having to do a lot of that on my own the e-visa and sending money credit card blah, 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 all this stuff and it's just driving me crazy I've had Susan do all my thinking like that for years and grants come along and they've done all this administrative work for me now I've got to get it's like I'm a band director again I got to plan all this stuff it's driving me crazy and I said Lord will you just help me with this and he is it's, he's helping me but that doesn't mean that it's not, you know, tense and so forth. The second situation or experience of God's presence uh, you need to be aware of is in verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your club and your staff, they comfort me. Your club and your staff, they comfort me. Your people who know about the, and there's lots of ton, tons of stuff written by people about this psalm, um, about people who really do know about shepherds in the Middle East. They tell us that the worst thing that can happen to a sheep is for him to fall into um, a ravine. The, you know, the water, rainwater's come in, they cut out these um, deep ravines, and the worst thing that can happen to that sheep is that, you know, he fall, wanders off in that dark place, and the next thing you know, it's right he can be eaten by a wolf or something right but here David says even in the dark ravines he has no fear of evil he has no fear of evil even when it's hard and dark and notice again you have that intimacy um, that David has with the Lord he's trying to get this across again very very redundant but it's very important look at verse 4 for you are with me your club, it's Jesus' club, your staff, they comfort me. And that's the same intimacy we just went on and on about. I hope I was going on and on and about. Um, we just talked about, I will be with you always. And to drive that point further home, you know, that great commission passage I just referred to you where Jesus says, Behold, I'm with you. That behold word is Matthew's favorite word that signals something very important that's happening through his gospel account. It means... Look, pay attention. It's not, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. No, he says, look, I am with you all. No, it's look, are you listening? That's what Jesus is doing. Are you, behold, listen to what I'm saying. I'm with you. Always, And so Jesus ends the book with that great behold. Behold, I'm with you. And here, it, it, Jesus says, I'm, I'm with you, especially in the darkness. And, and you know, I have seen this happen over and over again as a pastor. I've seen it this week. I've seen it this week in living color. People through dark, in dark stuff. Dark things that I, I weep about. But the darkness, God uses it to bring you and me into a deeper intimacy with Jesus Christ. I've seen that. You've seen that. And it's not that Jesus is closer or more present in the darkness. I'm not saying go dark just so Jesus will be close to you. Nobody's saying that. No, it's just that in the darkness, you, you just realize how close Jesus has always been. And before we move off of this, it's important to see uh, just David's artistry 
you know, he's a musician, writer, and all that stuff. Uh, but just it's important for you to just camp out just a second on how strong Christ's presence is in the darkness. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your club and your staff, they comfort me. My favorite story about my granddaughter Mila is um, is when she went on a walk with with her Mimi. That would be Catherine. Most of you know that. Um, but there's there's a bad dog in our neighborhood. I mean, he's like a you know this long and about this, this stout. And he was he's a troubled dog. He was raised by bad people who moved out of the neighborhood and abandoned him. And somebody else um, took him in. Which I wish they had not done, but he was a very aggressive dog, and he will come at you when you go for a walk. So we don't usually go on that end of the street, but sometimes we just say, Dead gummit, we live here. We're going to walk on this street. So we get a golf club or a, or a broomstick or something. But anyway, Mila is very aware of this dog, this bad dog. And she came in after a walk, and most of y'all know this story. But she came in, she said, and she wasn't afraid. And I said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, Mimi is going to bonk and yaw that dog. I said, what are you talking about? Well, she, she's going to bonk and yaw that dog. <laughs> That's right. That's classic Catherine Richards right there. Bonk and yaw. And that is a great picture of Jesus with you in the darkness. Because he is Yahweh, the all-powerful, true, living son of, of God. Uh, Jesus is with you in the darkness, but he is with you powerfully in the darkness. He can balk and yaw whatever is coming your way. There's a third picture of God's presence, verse 5. It's directly connected to the darkness of the previous verses. You prepare a table before me. That sounds great. In the presence of my enemies. So the darkness just keeps going, doesn't it? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Uh, Alex Moitier, great Old Testament teacher, had, he, he, he suggests that David's thinking about the time he was running from his son Absalom. Absalom had taken the throne from him. David is on the run. He meets three friends who knew he was the true king. And what do they do? They prepared a feast for David. And the writer is, just records all this stuff that uh, they did. They brought they brought wheat, they brought barley, they brought brought flour and roasted grain, uh, beans and lentil, uh, honey and curry. It keeps going on and on. Sheep and cheese, and it's just they. It's a feast. It's a barbecue in the middle of being pursued by his enemies. And so David is saying. God can sustain you and hold you up in any and every situation that you encounter in ways that you just never imagine. So he, he is worthy of your trust and his goodness is eternally present with you. He, he's given you his spirit and that's what that oil symbolized in the Old Testament. All you have to do is what I'm going to tell Grant tonight. I get to charge Grant. I'm just like, Grant, you've got to do one thing. Pray for the Holy Spirit. That's the one thing. And that's the one thing you need to pray for your pastor, that God would give him the Holy Spirit in a great way. All you have to do is ask for the Spirit. Lord, help me. Help me. It's like that prayer I tell you about 
that I overheard that man praying in Birmingham several months ago. Hurt all day, every day. Lord, do for me what I cannot do for myself. Lord Jesus, do for me what I cannot do for myself. Well, that's the greatest prayer I've ever heard. Very biblical, isn't it? Help me. Have mercy on me. And God is quick as the great shepherd, the loving shepherd to come and to help you. The last place of God's presence that David talks about is perhaps the best place of God's presence for us. Surely, goodness and covenant faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life. And you could say, only goodness and covenant faithfulness will pursue me. God, there is no wickedness in him. It looks like he doesn't know what he's doing a lot of the times. We would all, if we're honest, we say that. But but David is saying there's only, 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 only goodness and covenant faithfulness pursue you all the days of our life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are two things about this verse, and I've said this for 20 years. I'm sure I said it when I first got here. Uh, But it's so important to know if you don't know this, and if you do know it, you need to be reminded of it because you forget it just like I do. The verb in most translations reads, Surely goodness and mercy, King James especially, will follow me all the days of my life. But follow is way too weak. It's just too weak. It's not a good translation. The verb is pursue. It's used in the Old Testament of someone tracking down their enemies. Like Pharaoh pursuing Israel. Or Israel pursuing the Midianites. Or put it in modern day language. Have y'all seen the terminal list on Amazon Prime? Have you seen that? That guy, he's like Chuck Norris. The Terminator. The Punisher. um, Shaft. All about, you know, one person. That guy, he gets everybody, doesn't he? I mean, he gets, he gets them all. There's no question. You know, he's shot. And he still swims with his, you know, his Navy SEAL. Goes out there after he's been shot, swims off. He's like a porpoise. You know, it's amazing. But that's, that's, this is an aggressive combat Navy SEAL. I'm going to get you. Word. That's what it is. And David is a warrior. He knows all about getting people, doesn't he? And he uses, this is a wordplay to say that God pursues him all the days of his life with goodness and covenant faithfulness. That's, that's, the word is kessed. That's so important in the Old Testament. God is faithful to his covenant promises. And he pursues you in those promises. And he keeps those promises. So God has two hound dogs. Goodness and covenant faithfulness. And those dogs track David down. They track you down all the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's, that's good news. That's so good. In the context, again, in this context of the psalm, David has just talked about the valley of the shadow of death. And now he's reiterating the fact that even in the midst of difficult times, he's just being redundant. God is pursuing you. And and the question is, if you just do the math, half of this psalm is about the dark. At least half of it is about the darkness. And is, is that not the place where we spend a lot of time in this present evil age? And I asked this to Catherine last night. I can't be, you know, you can't be your wife's pastor. That's another thing. Grant and I talk about all the, that all the time. Just, you can't do that. Don't try it. If you're a pastor, you can't. You need somebody else to, to surround your wife. But as a friend, 
I said, honey, what part of present evil age do you not get, right? It is evil. It's not the present, you know, kind of tough age. It's evil. And so David is being redundant, but he wants to be clear. God works in the darkness. God pursues us in the darkness. And most of the time it makes no sense. It blows your mind. But the truth is, through enemies and through valleys, God is at work. He is accomplishing his great goal to conform you and me to the image of Jesus Christ. He will do it. It's like Grant's benediction that he loves to say. He will surely do it. He will surely do it. He is the Lord of glory. You know, I call this concept the, the B to A concept, this, this place of tension that we live in between um, suffering and relief, between suffering and peace. Uh, and you never usually understand what God is doing at point A. You can't, you, you shouldn't expect yourself to understand. That's what it means to live by faith is you're slogging it out from point B to point A. It just it doesn't make sense. And you can get so discouraged. And I see you discouraged. I know a lot of you are discouraged because of the situations you're in. But the older you get, and this you know, if you're young, please listen. The older if the older you get, you, you start you realize, you do see that God really does work from point A to B and when you get to B. But the older you get, you got more point B's to look back at point A. So with the older you are, you can look back and say, Well, that makes sense now. I can see what God was doing. It wasn't ever easy. But between the letters, you have to live by faith. You have to ask God to help you see that He's not just transforming you. He hurts with you. That's, that's the compassion of Jesus Christ. And He hurts with you through the people around you who hurt with you. You see that in living color. And I've told most of you know this story. Thank you for listening again. But it's, it is perhaps the, the Rick and Catherine story that God has worked. I used to think this was the hardest, but I don't know, I don't know if it is the hardest. Um, the older I get, maybe this, there are other things that are harder than this one. But you know, in 1984, we found out we were not going to have kids. Done deal. Forget about it. Man, that just, that just tanked us. And... Um, Dr. Arnold, Dr. Bo Arnold, one of our elders in our church, he was our physician. He wrote us this letter and he said, One day, when you get to point B, you'll look back at point A. And you will understand what God is, has been doing. And you will praise Him and you will thank Him for what He has done. But right now, just be faithful. Just trust in the Lord. And the funny part is, 34 years later, we have seven grandchildren, all under the age of four years old. Right? <laughs> so uh, ease up on this faithfulness, kind of faithfulness, right? <laughs> Psalm 92, which has become my, one of my favorite passages, because it's about old people. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, Yahweh is upright. He is my rock. And this is the key. There is no wickedness in him. 
There's no wickedness in your shepherd, in your God. And right now, again, you may be surrounded by enemies. You may be in the valley. Look to the Lord because He is pursuing you with His everlasting love. And again, it's important to get that pursue right, right? But it's, it's even more important to see the point B, the final place of God's never-ending pursuit of your life. Surely goodness and covenant love will pursue me all the days of my life. And what's going to happen? You're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever the house of Yahweh forever forever Jesus has said behold I am with you to the end of the age he never leaves you he never forsakes you he is with you to the end of your days and he will take you as the good shepherd too His final destination for you, a place where there is no darkness, a place where there are no enemies, a place where there is no tears, no no tears, no sorrow. It's a place of everlasting joy. It's a place of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Forever you will dwell in the house of Yahweh forever. And if you can say Jesus is your shepherd, if you can say... He is my king. You can say this. I lack nothing in the mundane, boring circumstances of life. Every day, taking the trash out, blah, 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 cutting the grass. I lack nothing in times of fear. I lack nothing in times of darkness. And you will certainly not lack anything when you dwell in the house of the Lord. Yahweh, your shepherd, forever and ever. Let us pray.